Las Vegas, famous, fabulous playground of the West. A wide open town that never goes to sleep. Vegas! Vegas, baby, Vegas! You're either in or you're out. Right now. My best mates are going to Las Vegas this weekend. I'm told it's incredible. Las Vegas, here we go! <laughs> Pack your bags and get ready. You're going to Vegas with people who know Vegas. You're listening to Vegas Never Sleeps with Stephen Maggi. Welcome to Vegas. As we start to prepare for a new year, it's a good time to remind everyone that Vegas has been, is, and will be for many generations to come, a place for great entertainers and for wonderful venues. On today's show, you'll take a look at two great examples of that. On the entertainer side, you'll meet the multi-talented Tim Molyneux, who is both an accomplished entertainer and an entrepreneur. As far as places to stay at, Vegas has too many to mention, Today, though, we'll learn about a hotel with a long past that has revitalized itself into a must-see visit. We are talking about the plaza, and you'll meet the man responsible for the recent success, CEO Jonathan Jossel. All that, along with Mr. Big, who will share a Christmas tale on vintage Vegas crime blotter. Your Vegas insider, Scott Robin of VitalVegas.com, discusses Christmas activities in Vegas and America's first master sommelier, Eddie Osterlin, talks about a Christmas Day favorite, prime rib. about to meet somebody who is multi-talented, an actor, a singer, a writer, a director, an independent show producer. This guy has done it all, and you got to check him out on YouTube. His name is Tim Molyneux. If you've been here and you've seen him, you know what a talent. If you haven't, you got to go there and look at it. This guy is tremendous. You know, Tim, uh, thank you for being with us today. I saw that you did one of my very favorite characters from the play and then again movie, Guys and Dolls, Nicely Nicely. Uh, so oh, you- <laughs> yeah, that was fun. Very fun fun role, yeah. Yeah, and there's that song at the end, you know, Sit Down, You're Rocking the Boat. It, it, that, that has to yeah. be just a fun song to sing. Oh, it is. It is. Because uh, maybe he's a little tipsy. We don't know. Maybe he's been drinking. Maybe he should be. But it's just fun. It's a very fun song, and uh, it's, a, it's a great show. Fun for everybody. It really is. Well, speaking of great shows, you were just a part of a fantastic show over in Nevada Room Christmas. It was a white Christmas celebration, tribute to white Christmas. And I got to know, how exciting is it to play that stuff from Irving Berlin? Because when you when you look at the songs that you guys were singing and that, and it changes, I understand, every week, different great performers from around town. But Irving Berlin wrote such a great Christmas stuff that we're still singing. This goes back to the 40s and 50s, and we're still singing these songs. Absolutely, absolutely. He actually wrote uh, the song, I'm Dreaming of a White Christmas, uh, for a movie in the 19, early 1940, I think it was 42 or 43, for a movie called Holiday Inn. Right. And it actually won the uh, Oscar uh, that year for Best Song. But uh, the movie White Christmas, with that song featured in it, came out in the 50s, about almost a decade later. Um, but yeah, just incredible uh, songs that are endure because they're very well done, and people just don't write like that <laughs> that much anymore. Beautiful well, lyrics. Do you like singing the, the songs from the Great American Song? Because you know, as much as that song is connected to Bing Crosby, other people have done a great job with that as well. Yes, no, I do love those songs. I said, I said his melodies and his lyrics are just so—they're well, powerful, but in a simplistically beautiful way. 
I mean, songs like Always, I'll Be Loving You Always, and uh, What'll I Do, and some people will say that we're in love. Uh, just fantastic songs. I mean, they're just beautiful. I love singing those. You also produce, you do all, you do everything. You wrote a great production, Bite. And if people were around in Vegas back, it was at the Stratosphere for what? I think it was like eight years or so. Uh, yeah, yeah, almost almost nine years. Yeah, it ran at the Stratosphere. Uh, I was the, um, the writer, director, producer of that. And it ran six nights a week, 52 weeks a year. And uh, it was, <laughs> fortunately, it was the uh, first and only vampire show in Las Vegas. Kind of surprised that there had not been yeah. another vampire show for Vegas. It seems like vampires in Vegas kind of go well together. Yeah, absolutely. And it just seemed like kind of a natural fit. And I know it was one of the most popular shows. You know, Vegas is a weird place in that regard because some shows like the um, the Four Seasons show uh, have done real well. Other shows, Broadway productions, just haven't done, haven't done well. But Bite certainly was one of the ones that people took to. What do you think it is about Vegas? You think it's uh, people expect more spectacular? Or what do you think it is? Well, I think... The success, I think it's one thing to do a show that lasts, or you can sell out for one weekend or one night, or maybe even maybe you're doing a month. But when you're trying to do something that's run every night, six nights a week, 52 weeks a year, there has to be, it has to be able to be run efficiently, I think. As a, so now I'm talking like as a producer. So I think some of the great shows that are out there that have, have hit, I think one of the reasons why they can't stay open and they, they seem to be popular on Broadway or popular places is that they're so expensive to run. They're not run efficiently. And right. so it costs too much to, to, to keep it going. Uh, so I think that's part of it. Um, I also think that um, there is a, always a place for the big spectacle. You know, in Vegas, you expect some of that big spectacle. But I do think there is a, a big turn. Maybe it's because of COVID. Maybe because it was coming even without COVID, but there's a turn, I think, where audiences are wanting and needing that, that intimacy between them and the performer. I believe that's how Vegas was started, but not with the Rat Pack, and you did these supper clubs, and you were right there within a few feet of the singers and the entertainers, and you could feel their energy, and you could see it in their eyes. And so I think there is a, a need and a want for that, uh, yeah. today and I think there's, that's coming back and those kind of shows are are uh, inexpensive to produce and I think um, uh, there will always be a, a place for that but people are uh, I think uh, heading toward that now and, and wanting that well I think that's an interesting look because if you think about people remember what Louis Prima and so forth it was that intimacy of that back room where Everybody would go, and you felt like you were part of the band almost. You know, yeah. you, you were in on the joke, and I, that's really interesting. And it kind of makes sense because it kind of fits the whole Vegas vibe. You know, what happens here stays here, and all that. Mm-hmm. Well, you want to be a part of things. Yes. One of the things that you do is Molyneux Entertainment. You've been doing this for yeah. thirty years, and this is kind of interesting. I want to get into your brain about this because you know, <laughs> okay. not only are you this great performer, and people hear you sing and so forth. But you're thinking of the whole part. It's not just the singing you're thinking about. You're thinking about the production, about how you can, uh, the marketing of it, the fashion and so forth. Is that yeah. something that you've been interested in since really you got into entertainment? Well, you know, I, I, I did. The first part of my, I guess, entertainment career, it started when I was five years old, actually. My grandfather was a uh, preacher, a Southern gospel preacher. 
and he let me sing before his sermons at five years old there, and I, uh, little Timmy got a big impact from the audience. Uh, this happened to be, be uh, good at that, and then, um, but that led to singing around town, and I went to school for that. But uh, my dad was a Marine Corps drill sergeant. He was very organized and very structured, and uh, he, uh, I guess I was kind of forced into being a good organizer and putting things together. And while I was in school, I put together my own little shows, uh, and that led to bigger shows, then halftime shows, then USO shows, then shows for cruise ships, hotels. It just kind of grew. So I was always able to put that big picture, uh, have a big picture, and then put all the little pieces together to make that big picture happen. And uh, I didn't go to school for that. I didn't. I never set out to be a producer. It happened accidentally out of doing my just out of out of necessity. But then I found that I really loved that. I loved being able to work with a great team and putting all the pieces together, all the people together to make a, a vision happen. I really get a joy out of that. And uh, I just happened to be, uh, <laughs> I guess, good at that. Back with more from entertainer and entrepreneur Tim Molyneux in just a moment. Just a reminder, please visit Vegas Never Sleeps online. For the best in Vegas, it's VegasNeverSleeps.com. And for great sports, it's Sports, R-A-C-X, which is available on radio stations nationwide and wherever you listen to podcasts. That's Sports, R-A-C-X, short for Sports and Tours. And later today on Sports and Tours, you'll meet one of the all-time greats in pro football, tight end Hall of Famer Jackie Smith. You're listening to Vegas Never Sleeps with Stephen Manchi, coast to coast on the Talk Media Network. If you're a diabetic, we have great news. You can end the painful finger sticks with a new CGM. Plus, they may be covered by Medicare, Medicaid, or private insurance. If you test and inject daily, you may qualify. Call U.S. Med now to learn more. 800-437-1424. 800-437-1424. That's 800-437-1424. This is Dr. Phil talking at you. You know all those messed up kids you see on my TV show? Well, they're not book readers. Your kids need something fun to read. That's why I recommend American Stonehenge. It's a modern adventure story filled with great characters and mysterious plot twists. For a free preview of the first four chapters, go to jimmyandandrew.com. That's jimmyandandrew.com. Use promo code RICH25 and receive a 25% discount. Go to jimmyandandrew.com and use promo code RICH25. Get your kids reading. That way, they stay off my TV show. What were you thinking? Celebrity Voice Impersonated. Wayne Klingman, or you might know him better as Mr. Big, is out handling a dispute, but he did want to say thank you for listening to Vintage Vegas Crime Blotter every week. He also wants to remind you you can get copies of his books on Amazon. Just simply search Wayne Klingman, that's spelled C-L-I-N-G-M-A-N, again, Wayne Klingman, for the best in Vegas reading materials. 
Welcome back to Vegas Never Sleeps with Stephen Maggi. You are listening to singer and actor Tim Molyneux, whose entertainment performances and creations have taken him to over 100 countries, touching the lives of millions across the globe. Yeah, well, you know, and it's coming from the right family because that's a perfect combination for that because you understand both sides of the game. You understand what you have to do to set all this up, but then you also have to know about delivering the goods. I mean, and I don't know what it is about singing in church at a young age, but I think of Aretha Franklin and so forth. Some great careers were started, Whitney Houston, right? They were started in churches. Absolutely. No, that is true. Because I think it's because, I mean, everyone has their theory, but my theory is that with the gospel music, it, it is, it's emotional, because you're connected with it. You're not just singing to show the flexibility and the power and the finesse of your voice. You're really connecting with the music, because it means something to you, whether it's by faith or out of fear <laughs> or whatever that may, may be. You're feeling it, and people are willing to pay money to have you make them feel. And so when Whitney Houston opened her mouth, she made you feel. Aretha Franklin, she makes you feel. And the great singers can make you feel. And usually the people that can do that and make you feel are the ones who have careers for 20, 30, 40, 50 years. Uh, the Tony Bennett, you know, I mean, yeah. uh, just, you know, still, still doing it. You know, age is, is just a number. So uh, it's because they can get those emotions and those feelings out of people because they themselves, as the entertainers, they are feeling the music. And I think that really comes from uh, that, that uh, background of uh, experiences of gospel and, or religious type of uh, experiences. Well, and then starting at five, are you going to be like a Tony Bennett or like a Mick Jagger? <laughs> you know, I saw a funny thing. Mick Jagger was on with Dick Cavett when he was like in his 20s. And he goes, hey, you think you'll be doing this when you're 50? And they're laughing. Who knew that not only would he be doing it in his 50s, but he'd be doing it in his 70s and so yes. forth. Yes. Yeah. No, I, I don't really have a time limit on it. I'm, just, I'm having fun doing it. I, I do uh, like the singing part of it and putting that together and uh, – uh, connecting like that w- with an audience, with a live audience. I like recording as well, but there's nothing like getting that instant feedback. Uh, even like last night, I uh, uh, was doing the, the show at the Nevada Room, the Christmas show, and one of the songs, uh, my daughter was in the audience, and I was able to see her before I started. It was hard for me to finish the song because I just got so emotional and, I, and connected with it. And, uh, yeah, so I don't really have a, a time frame on it as long as I'm enjoying it and, and yeah. uh, people are still wanting to listen, I'm ready to do it. I think people can see that, too. There's, there's nothing. You can't hide that, you know, <laughs> especially yeah. when you're singing like that. The great singers, we've all felt that. You know, we, we know that each time they're, real, they're really bringing it. You know, in addition to all this, the production, the performing and so forth, I find this fascinating. You're actually in the technology side as well. You were granted a fifth patent uh, for... Yeah. Reality entertainment. I w- I'm not even going to try to figure that out, but I'm going to ask you. Kind of tell us about it because it just seems uh, really incredible by what I read about it. Uh, yes, I currently have uh, five uh, techno- entertainment technology patents for virtual and augmented reality. Um, the, uh, my got the idea. I, f- I filed the patent in 2004, so this was long before you know the Google Glass and all the stuff that they're doing now, the VR, the headsets, or anything like that, mm-hmm. that they have now. But I was watching a football game 
uh, on TV and seeing all the uh, how the players running down the field, and I don't know if it was you know Madden or whoever on the screen, the announcer were talking, and they were drawing circles and things on the on the players as they're going down the field. And I just had the thought, well, if you can do that on a football field, I wonder if you could do that for theater, where if somebody is performing, you can change what you what they're what they're doing, what they're wearing, where they are, their environment. Or perhaps you can uh, see what they see. Um, or can you choose your seat where you want to sit in the theater or uh, at the concert or at ringside? You know, you want to look at, from the basketball goal, you want to be on the 50-yard line or wherever. Choose all those things as it's happening. And so I came up with a, a method and a process of how to be able to do that. And so uh, it's, you know, you can look it up. It's... Uh, uh, the virtual reality live customized live entertainment experience. So, no, it's incredible. So, in other words, if I have a, a let's say we, we were talking about Jagger. So, let's say I love the Rolling Stones, you yeah. know, and then you go see it and stuff. Is this a way like where not only can I see them from sitting right in front or from the back, but also maybe I want to just uh, center in on Keith Richards. I want to see if he really is, looks as old as 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 I seems like he does. Or do I want to just follow Jagger or something like that? Or do I just want to look at the crowd? Can I do that? Is that the type of thing you're talking about? Yes, yes absolutely. And there's there's some apps now that people are using and utilizing that's, uh, my patents there now where you can actually do that, where you can pick your seat where you want to sit. Or you can see from the drummer's perspective or the guitar's perspective. Uh, you can see what they see. You can see what the Cirque du Soleil performer sees as he's flying over your head. Um, you know, what Britney Spears sees when she's doing her dancing. Uh, or and you can change their outfits uh, in time. Or you can have lyrics uh, over the, the, the performance. As you're watching the live show, you can have the lyrics come in over, over the superimposed on top of the of the performance. You can change their environment. You're, you're watching uh, Phantom of the Opera and it's happening uh, in the theater. Somebody else sitting next to you can be watching the same show and they're watching Phantom and he's in hell. And then another one's underwater. Another one's in outer space. So yeah, you can customize uh, your experience like that. You know what's interesting about that too is you think music videos. I've always dislike that only in the sense that somebody else is telling me what to think and how to interpret it. This is really a way where you're not going to necessarily get into the performer's head, but you can at least look at it from different perspectives. Sometimes even to see the reaction of just the audience can really add to what you're uh, watching. Oh, it really does. It really does. Because until this, until this patent came out, and this the history of entertainment, no matter what we watched on TV or now it's our phones or our devices or our computers or our tablets, whatever, we were, uh, it was, what we saw was dictated and controlled by what the producer wants you to see, what the network wants you to see. More with Tim Molyneux, who as a writer, director, and producer, is credited with 23 original shows, including Bite, which ran six nights a week, 52 weeks a year, for almost nine years on the Strip, in just a moment. Mr. Big is here, and he's eager to share the story of Mo Sedway, who had a softer side on the holidays. Today we're we'll talking about my good friend Mo Sedway, who's a good friend of Bugsy Siegel. Many people say he was the right-hand man at Bugsy Vegas, there's no doubt about that. He was a hard, tough man. Coming across the Christmas season, 
Mo would go out of his way to beat Mr. Shankwell's as many people as possible. As he worked hard at reinventing himself to a good businessman in the Vegas area, he also contributed very heavily to different charities, very heavily with people in need. And one of his way to each Christmas season to make sure you pay pit costs, his dealers, and the rest of them had the best Merry Christmas possible with many, many huge gifts of cash. I think it makes him a very special Christmas kind of an elf. Thanks, Mr. Big. Big will be back with us every week starting in 2022. Hey, don't forget to listen to Sports Rock and Tours, which follows this show on most of these stations. It's also available wherever you listen to podcasts. You're listening to Vegas Never Sleeps with Stephen Maggi nationwide on the Talk Media Network. Ciao, I am Giada Valenti. You're listening to Vegas Never Sleeps with Stephen Maggi. Let's return to Vegas Never Sleeps with Stephen Maggi. You are listening to Vegas Never Sleeps. I'm Stephen Maggi, and I'm chatting with singer and producer Tim Molyneux, who has produced hundreds of musical and theatrical productions over the last 30 years. Before we get into how people can know what you're up to and so forth, I want to talk to you about one thing. I know you call yourself a show doctor as well is that where yeah. they people would hire you and say okay you know all these different aspects from the performing side to the production side how do i fix this or what do i do to improve it is that one of the things you offer your, uh, your services for yes yes it started almost 20 years ago uh, with caa creative artist agency uh had one of their artists that was going to do a showcase and but they were new they were a great songwriter and they were actually had a great voice, but they didn't know anything really about their stage presence or how to perform. So it, it initially came out of that to work with them on how to interact with the audience and how to interact with the band and how they walk out and uh, the, the song choices that they're singing in a, in a show, whether it's a 30-minute show, an hour show, the pacing, the segues, the intros, outros, uh, how to hold a mic. When do you talk about merchandise? How to talk about merchandise? All those kind of things. And then it grew from there to multiple artists to uh, uh, working with um, tours and shows and actually production shows as well. That makes a lot of sense because the business itself has changed, right? I mean, people, oh, yeah. I love to see albums, but we don't see albums the way we, we used to. But merchandising is real important, way more important than it used to be. And touring is, is that something, too, where people you know, kind of go to you like, okay, I kind of lost track of this a little bit. What do I need to do? Yeah, well, it is. Everything has, has shifted and changes, and you have a much more uh, easy ability to connect with your audiences now in ways that you never could, you know, even 10 years ago. And, um, but when you talk about merchandise, how you talk about it, uh, what you say, how you do it, uh, it, it makes a difference um, in your sales and, and what your audiences are really wanting. But it comes down to also uh, maintaining your brand promise. Uh, people will follow you no matter what that is, uh, as long as you believe it and you're and uh, you are committed to it and you stay consistent to it. But when you start veering off from that, people they don't like uh, change. They they said they fell in love with you because of this, and now you're trying to do that. Some people have, have been successful with it, like the Christina Aguilera and the uh, um, Molly, not Molly, uh, uh, Cyrus. Uh, yeah, uh, Miley yeah. Cyrus. Yeah, Miley. Right. Miley. Yeah, Miley. Uh, Miley. So they're able to change their image and their and their shifting, but it's not something easy to do. So uh, 
uh, that's the kind of stuff that I that I work on is maintaining that brand promise and uh, reaching the the target audience that you're really going after. You know, if people have think that Tim's BSing or something, my suggestion to you is to go and go to YouTube and look up Tim. And what you'll find is these pieces that you do for yourself to just kind of a sizzle reel, we call them. They're okay. fantastic, and it is great because you can watch it in five, whatever, five, six, seven minutes. You really get a feel for what you do, and I mean that's that strikes me as I've I've seen a lot of these things, and boy, to get people, especially in our time now, where we're so limited in what we can do, that's much more powerful than an old thing. Well, watch an old concert. Well, I don't want to, <laughs> you know. Right, 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 right. They can also go to my uh, my website has some of my materials, some of my songwriting and. Uh, movie scoring and things like that at uh, timmolyneux.com. Uh, and also, if there's any dates of performances and things, I'll, I, I usually post there as well. Yeah, well, definitely. We'll all go to timmolyneux.com and let's spell it for them, Tim. Yes, yeah, M as in Michael, O L Y, N as in November, E U X. Dot com. Uh, TimMolyneux.com. Wow. And I thought Manchie was tough. Okay. Uh, that's yeah, a tough one. But it's it's worth the check. We will go there and we'll check out when you're performing next and uh, see all the things. That it, it, you'll have a lot of fun if you go to the website. Tim, yes, thank, thank you, you so much. Really had a good time chatting with you. Thank you. I did too. I appreciate the opportunity. Thank you very much. It's always great to see an older hotel or casino that seemed to fade away return to glory with new leadership. The Plaza is a recognizable hotel, one of the very biggest in town, and this year marks the downtown casino resort's 50th anniversary, and the glitz and excitement is back thanks to its CEO, Jonathan Chossel. A great hotel, and the CEO of the Plaza downtown is with us, Jonathan Jossel. Jonathan, welcome. It's got to be exciting for you to be a part of this downtown renaissance, which really, uh, you know, thanks to your neighbor Derek Stevens there and uh, some others up and down the uh, up and down Fremont Street, downtown's happening these days. Yeah, you you mentioned one of them, but there's many many uh, important players to the to the puzzle. Uh, most importantly, uh, our mayor, uh, Karen and Goodman, starting with Oscar Goodman before her. Uh, the, the legacy they created was obviously huge. We invested in downtown Las Vegas in 2005. So I like to think that we've been uh, a big part of the renaissance. And of course, Tony Shea, who sadly is no longer with us, but his investment and uh, commitment to downtown and putting it on the map uh, was was critical to its development. So there's many people involved in it, and we're just excited to be part of it, to see it growing into what it has become is fantastic. It's frankly, uh, some people would say, a 12-year overnight success, but it hasn't always been easy, and uh, we see only positive improvements in the, in the future with all the other investment happening down here. You have the Arts District, East Fremont, Symphony Park, Fremont Street Experience, 
everywhere you look, there's just new and great things happening and probably nothing greater than the Greyhound bus station leaving. It's probably the most exciting development. <laughs> you know, that's really true. I was going to say the train station was there and, of course, the Greyhound bus depot, which everybody remembers. But really... If you haven't seen the plaza lately, like if you haven't been in a, in several years, you got to go. I love what you guys have done, and I know you came in in 2014, and it's just a different feel at the plaza. It the, You've done a lot of re- rehab to the place. It's great, and it's exciting. Uh, and actually, you kind of brought back a little bit of live entertainment, too, which had kind of gone away for a while. Yeah, well, we, we have um, the Comedy Works. Uh, we had the Omaha Lounge prior to COVID, which hasn't yet come back. And we have the Sand Dollar coming online in January, which will be a seven nights a week live entertainment, wonderful music, a historic venue, and the perfect addition to the plaza on its 50th anniversary. Yeah, 50 years is fantastic. And it's a place we all know where it is because when you go downtown, it's the, it's the big hotel, right? That was the one at one time you always could look up and see it and... Uh, are, are, are you feeling, too, that people are planning their trips now more for downtown? I, I seem to see that, you know, where before everybody came to the Strip, maybe they go down for a day. Now I'm seeing more and more people saying, no, I want to hang out in downtown. You're exactly right. Uh, historically, downtown was just a let's go visit it for a couple of hours destination because of the history and the neon and the the fun of Fremont Street. That, that That's what it was. But since all of the great new restaurants, entertainment, uh, you have um, all the properties that reinvested in the rooms, the pools. People are realizing that it's not just a place to visit for a day or two. It's actually a place to stay where there's great gambling odds. There's a much better experience, better value. And the rooms, the restaurants, the pools are all first class. So people are able to spend time down here, and we're definitely seeing more of that. Back with the CEO of the Plaza Hotel and Casino in downtown Las Vegas, Jonathan Jossel, in just a few moments. Time now for our weekly look at the top NFL games and our picks. This week's games include the Kansas City Chiefs at Los Angeles Chargers. Both teams have great quarterbacks, but the Chiefs are better overall and they're on a roll, so go with Kansas City. The New England Patriots are at Indianapolis to play the Colts. Now, the Patriots are underdogs on the road, but Belichick's in the zone. I think you go with the road team in that one. And finally, the Green Bay Packers play at the Baltimore Ravens. Packer, a better team, but the Ravens are at home, and Green Bay doesn't play quite as well on the road. Look for the upset there. I'm going to go with the Ravens. Make sure to go to Sports RACX wherever you listen to podcasts. That's Sports RACX, and you're listening to Vegas Never Sleeps with Stephen Maggi, coast to coast on the Talk Media Network. Celebrity voice impersonated. This is Dr. Phil talking at you. You know all those messed up kids you see on my TV show? Well, they're not book readers. Your kids need something fun to read. That's why I recommend American Stonehenge. It's a modern adventure story filled with great characters and mysterious plot twists. For a free preview of the first four chapters, Go to jimmyandandrew.com. That's jimmyandandrew.com. Use promo code RICH25 and receive a 25% discount 
Go to jimmyandandrew.com and use promo code RICH25. Get your kids reading. That way, they stay off my TV show. What were you thinking? You're listening to Vegas Never Sleeps with Stephen Maggi. Welcome back to Vegas Never Sleeps. We are talking with Jonathan Jossel, who, as CEO, rebuilt the Plaza's brand as the ultimate classic Vegas experience. Well, you know, what's nice, too, is, of course, you, know, you stay at the Plaza, you hang out, but... You can do a brief little walk and visit six or seven different places with the different restaurants and so forth. You know, you can't do that on the Strip. You know, you're in one place. The, the hotel next door might be a 30-minute walk. Exactly. And we know that most people visit at least four to five different casinos on their on their stay. But you know what? We, we encourage and we have relationships with a lot of the restaurants in the Arc District and East Fremont where we encourage our casino guests to go check out Carson Kitchen, to go check out You or Me Sushi, to go check out Latai. We give them comps there. We want to create that neighborhood effect and uh we we think that that's something special in downtown that you can do that we love having you here you came from south africa and apparently you were always interested in gaming right is that something like you knew you wanted to do that from an early age you know i was always interested in gaming more as a consumer i've I've always enjoyed sports betting i've always enjoyed gambling as a consumer so uh coming out to las vegas when i was 23 was probably a risky move but one that paid off and uh, I didn't know that I'd be in this industry for sure, but I, I love every minute of it. Well, now you're the CEO there, and you have an approach that I really appreciate, and it makes me think of the real success. And when people think of Vegas, they want the CEOs and the people that are the executives to be visible, and you do that. You're hands-on, and it kind of reminds me of the, of the days when people knew if you went down to Vegas, maybe the bartender would remember your name, things like that. So uh, was that something that when you came into this situation, you wanted to kind of bring that back? Was that part of your approach? Maybe subconsciously. It wasn't something that I set out to do consciously. It was just something that I enjoyed doing. I think when you're 23 and you come to a new industry and you have the opportunity to learn from all the great people that have come before you and the team members that have been here for 50 years, you'd be foolish not to take the time to talk to them and get to know them and understand what made something successful once upon a time. And for me, uh, having a drink in Oscars with customers or with our team members or going to the coffee bar in the morning with our team members and customers sort of is a, is a very natural process for me. I enjoy it. I, I love being here. So maybe it comes across to people as it's cool that you're engaging with other people. But to me, it's just what I enjoy doing. And it's a good fit with, you know, you mentioned Carolyn Goodman, the mayor, uh, her husband, the previous mayor, Oscar Goodman. That's just a great fit. And, of course, the restaurant right at your uh, hotel, people love it. And, and it's becoming really kind of a must-see. a must see. It's the best restaurant in Las Vegas right now. Uh, the food is incredible. Our chef is, is absolutely first class. The food is amazing. And the atmosphere in the restaurant, it's just busy every night. It's a historic room. And you just don't get anything like that. And when people come in there for the first time now, they're just taken by it. I think it is the best restaurant in Las Vegas and a must-see on any trip to this town. Yeah, and it's part of that great vintage Vegas feel, which I think a lot of people, I know I'm one of those type, I love the feel of vintage Vegas and kind of imagining yourself. And you can certainly do that, yet with the luxuries of the 21st century. Well, Jonathan, let's talk a little about the pandemic. That hit the, the city hard. It really did. And I know downtown seemed to me to to get a little bit ahead of it, actually, even more than the Strip, where you know they were the first to get back and so forth. Again, is that that commitment of 
not just what your uh, hotel's doing, but really all the Fremont Street uh, places down there, they seem to be really committed to not only to visitors, but really also to people that live in the Vegas area that enjoy gaming and going out to eat and so forth. Yeah, you know, it was a strange time. It was hard to know what to do, what the right thing to do was. And I think downtown, not not in on purpose necessarily, but we all just committed to reopening at the first available time that we could and doing it in as safe of a way as we could. And it, it worked out for us. I think the strip was definitely slower to that. But also you got to remember, you know, we're, we're a much smaller property, so they're easier to reopen. They're easier amenities to open. The strip opened more slowly than they did open the nightclubs and the entertainment, the shows. So they, they require a lot more foot traffic and conventions and people to fill up, whereas downtown uh, is, is, is probably the size of the Venetian and Palazzo combined. So it's, um, it's, it's a much easier art to get open, and we all decided to do it at the first available opportunity. And it was like a time that nobody knew. We had no idea what was going to happen. We, we sort of uh, went rolled with the punches on a daily basis for the changing regulations and dealing with all the new health and safety things that, frankly, is not the yeah. typical order of the hotel casino. So it was, a, it was an experience and a difficult one and a painful one. But the bounce back has been way better than any of us expected. And uh, perhaps because of what you said, perhaps that's why it was so much stronger in downtown. But I think as a city and as a whole, the bounce back's been amazing for everybody. I mean, it's a sign of a great return of the city. Well, yeah, and I thought the reaction was really good from the from the uh, from all the hotels and so forth. The fact that you can go through something like that and you still manage to make it a place you wanted to go to, because you know for a while there it looked really uh, miserable, like it was going to be harder. You know, all tourist places across the world were having trouble, and yet uh, kind of brought out the best of everybody. It seems too, and I think and I think people appreciate it. Yeah, I, I definitely. I think they did. Let's talk about what's in the future then for the plaza. What have you got on, on the docket? Well, we have Super Bingo, which is something we're very, very proud of, our Super Bingo events. And then we have New Year's Eve. And uh, into next year, we're going to continue to reinvest in the property, specifically with two new bars, uh -huh. one of which we already mentioned, uh, Sand Dollar, and the other one yet to be announced officially. But it's going to have a lot of new components to it in the front of our building. And... Uh, that's something that we really think we can improve on is the late night, uh, 10 p.m. onwards experience of the club. You know, but, and we're looking to continue to build the great momentum we've had since the, since the pandemic. Thank you, Jonathan. Great chatting with you today. Your Vegas insider, Scott Robin of VitalVegas.com, knows Vegas, which makes him the best person to ask what activities are best for Christmas. Well, Christmas is an interesting time in Las Vegas because it's actually a very slow period for the hotels. Uh, it, there's usually a lull before New Year's Eve and things pick up again. So it is actually a great time to visit Vegas. Uh, there are people in cities where apparently there's uh, cold ice that falls from the sky, snow or whatever. We don't have that. So it's moderate temperatures. It's in the 60s, maybe sometimes 50s. So that's a it's a great time to come. The room rates are low. There's also actual wintry things you can do. There is a skate rink at the Cosmopolitan, which is always fun. They also have one at the Park, which is the new restaurant row that's uh, in between the Monte Carlo and the T-Mobile Arena in New York, New York. People seem to love ice skating for whatever reason. I find it a physical activity dangerously close to exercise so not really a thing for me the one at cosmopolitan is fun because you can actually sit around kind of hang with your friends and have hot chocolate i'm not going to skate i actually uh, am going to be going there to just uh, go and drink 
but you can pretty much do that any time of year. Uh, Fremont Street Experience, of course, man, is going to have a tree lighting. Everybody has a tree lighting. Uh, so that's always fun to do because everything is kind of oversized in Vegas, and the tree on Fremont Street is like 50 feet tall. Uh, there's uh, just overall, there's um, Ethelem, the chocolate factory, actually has a cactus garden decorated for Christmas. It is this, one of the strangest things you can do, but it actually is very beautiful. It's, it's a couple of acres of cactus plants with, all lit up. So I would say try that. It's a good time. And there's chocolate. <laughs> so you can't go wrong there. Hey, thanks, Scott, and have a Merry Christmas. For a great way to check Vegas happenings throughout the year, check out Scott's site, vitalvegas.com. Finally, Christmas is a week away, and a lot of us will be serving prime rib. What wine should we serve with that prime rib? Well, let's ask America's first master sommelier, Eddie Osterland. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm like you. I have prime rib probably once a year, and it's always at Christmas. And, you know, again, it depends on your own personal favorites. Um, but if you don't put too much heavy, rich sauces on it, uh, prime rib and Cabernet Sauvignon are, are, are made for each other. And, of course, Cabernet Sauvignon is called, well, it's the key grape in Bordeaux, although there are four other blends of Merlot and Petit Verdot and Malbec and Cabernet Franc. But um, so I, you know, I mean, everybody can do Cabernet, which it's great. You can't go wrong with that. Um, I think what I would do is I would do a, a what I call a new world versus old world celebration and have a California Cabernet and compare that to the French counterpart that has the Cabernet blend. So you've got, again, that intellectual something to talk about before dinner. Because if you serve one wine, what is it? Well, it's better than iced tea. Um, you know, it tastes like, well, it tastes like wine. It tastes like a Cabernet. But there's not much to talk about. But when you have two of them side by side, especially if you don't tell the people what's what, You've got conversation going with your friends, and it's all about, you know, developing some kind of vernacular or, or conversation between these people that makes the party much better than just come in here and here's something, you know, liquor's quicker, do you want that, or we'll have wine? You know, come on. <laughs> wine is way more than that. Thank you, Eddie, and Merry Christmas. Make sure to join us next week for a special edition of Vegas Never Sleeps. We're going to play your favorite Christmas music with a Vegas flair by some of the wonderful performers you've heard on this show. Coming up next is Sports Rock and Tours. If your local station doesn't carry it, you can go to Sports R-A-C-X wherever you listen to podcasts. And please follow both Vegas Never Sleeps and Sports Rock and Tours on all social media platforms, including Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Thanks for listening today. Have a wonderful Christmas with family and friends. This is Stephen Manchie reminding you, Vegas never sleeps. Vegas, here we go! Vegas!